Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast. I'm your host again, back from a brief hiatus caused by parental responsibilities. Um, me looking after my parents, not the usual. Um, <laughs> it's Rich Polly. Um, and also joining me today, we've got no Ben Hibbert. He's got parental responsibilities. He's looking after his little one. Um, so we've just got uh, Liam Baker, just got Liam Baker. Hi, Liam. Bonjour. Did did you feel suitably reduced in importance there by that introduction? Uh, no, I have no sense of importance anyway. So, oh, fair enough. Got I it. like a man. I like a man with no ego. Yep, that's how I've been described. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us today from uh, from a cancelled Zumba class for the over seventies, it's Steve Bolton. Hey, mate. Hello there. <laughs> right, I'm going to say now, I bet it wasn't cancelled. It just said on the second part of the message, they've moved it into a different room. I just got confused. My helper couldn't come out tonight and I just got lost. <laughs> so a nice old lady got me home. You're just ambling about the place and somebody said, come in here, dear. There's some boys talking about X-Wing. You'll enjoy yourself. <laughs> We've got some Werber's originals and a blanket. Sit down there. <laughs> oh, thanks very much for coming on, Steve. I know we've been trying to get you on for a few weeks to have a chat about some stuff, um, which we thought would make good content, but you've got, you know, an actual life on a Monday, um, <laughs> as opposed to the rest of us. <laughs> Mon- Monday is wife points night when I go out and do salsa dancing. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, salsa. Sorry. I thought it was Zumba. <laughs> no, no, that, that's on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to see, I want to see your salsa. I want to see the, you, that hip action. You, you should see the schedule at the old people's home we're very well entertained (laughs) see i'm trying to figure i don't think you're not old enough to be retired are you you're not no (laughs) probably retired out of x-wing but (laughs) (laughs) what go out on a high you won you won a store championship recently didn't you i've done two finals Did did you win one of them, though? I did win one of them there you go there you go and 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 almost made tim greenaway cry yeah I was I was a bit savage. What did did you just annihilate his list by not caring about the fact he was shooting everything at I seven? Well, I thought that was unwholesome, and my list that shot everything at I six is much nicer. So, <laughs> so I I killed what enabled the I seven, and then I shot everything at I six, and everything he had was I four. I, I think that's fair, fair and wholesome. Seems like a good strategy. Seems like a good strategy. We've already decided that Tim's list is basically the kind of filth that we all approve of, anyway. It's a horrible list. It's a oh yeah, this list. seems fine. This seems fine. Look, it's just a whole big bunch of it's doing what a die seven. No, that's... yeah, seems good. Seems good. Right, um, we're going to talk a little bit today. So Steve asked us an, an interesting question um, via Messenger. So we've got him on, so we can ask us that. We'll do that in a little bit later on. Um, and is, we are is this talk... after an hour of resistance talk? No, I don't talk about <laughs> resistance so much at the moment, even though they're good at the moment. I can't promise I'm not going to talk about them today, though, because of the results of one of the big American events. So we're going to talk about some American events. We're going to quickly run through some of the lists from Gen Con. Um, hint, there's not many lists. Most people kind of flew the same three things. Um, and then we're going to run through some of the uh, store championships that have happened over the last um, kind of week or so. Um, and yeah, then we'll, we'll have a quick chat to Steve um, about some uh, interesting questions. So uh, we'll start off with Gen Con. Uh, so first thing to say about Gen Con is it had three days of Swiss. 
there was no stream, which was weird because normally Gold Squadron are all over Gen Con and they stream, uh, you know, an awful lot of it. Um, and unless you go to Viper Squadron and you yeah, can watch yeah. Crispy's opponent's crotch for an hour and 15 yeah. minutes. Crispy's armpit slash his opponent's crotch <laughs> and occasionally yeah. some nose hair. Um, but yeah, no, it was um, it was a bit of a weird one. Like, so Crispy basically just brought a little tripod and stuck his phone on the corner of his table um, and streamed his games, uh, which was all right because he did well enough that, you know, he was streaming most of the matches um, or, at you know, most of the rounds, I should say, um, for the days that he was playing. Uh, so, yeah, it was three days... Um, it was three days of X-Wing. They didn't have a stream because apparently there was no room for a stream. They had 105 minimum tables set up because we saw a picture um, for 105 people to play X- uh, Sorry, 105 tables, 200 plus people to play X-Wing. And on day one, they had 26 players. On day two, they had 31 players. On day three, they had 21 players. So they had 52, 78 players in total across the three days of Swiss. Um, so yeah, there was space for a stream just a bit weird that they didn't have one um when they had uh, a big streaming setup ready to go basically willing to do it for uh buttons and pennies well peanuts basically um cost of an internet connection um so it's a bit sad that we don't have a like a fully formed stream but we do have as, as steve said some stuff from viper squadron um so the format was that you played and this is another weird one and i have no idea why they did it but it's weird and they this is what they did um so they did um five rounds of swiss on each of thursday friday and saturday um they then if you got 11 event points which was three wins and two draws or four wins you made day two which was held on sunday then they did another two rounds of swiss on sunday cut to top four now there was about 14 people who made day two, who who played on Sunday, or sorry, who qualified. I think one dropped, um, so only 13 people actually played. Um, and they reset the strength of schedule and the mission points from day one. Now, I think that was a technical kind of limitation on Roll Better. They weren't able to bring the strength of schedule from another event over into the event that they created for day two. But it basically meant that when you look at kind of the final, it's all a bit weird. Like the final day is all a bit odd, like because strength of schedule was pretty much irrelevant because there was, you know, 13 people all playing each other. There was only two games and then it had to shake out to top four. So um, it was all a bit odd. Anyway, we'll go through some of the lists. Um, from heat from the different heats. So the Thursday heat was a bit of a weird one. Four people qualified: um, Tyler Tippett, Colin Richards, Stephen Wayland, and Jay Cumley. Um, and they were all flying Republic, and they all had at least two arcs. And I say at least two arcs because one of the lists had two arcs, and the other ones all had three. Um, this is basically Heaver's list, but with variations. Not quite. So one of them was flying Heaver's List. So one of them was flying... So Tyler Tippett was flying Heaver's List, which is Anakin from the uh, Siege of Coruscant pack, Padme, and Three Arcs. Um, and that was, you know, like, that. that that's going to become the standard kind of cookie-cutter version. Uh, Colin Richard was flying the three Siege of Coruscant Arcs, 
um, then Kickback from Siege of Coruscant, Axe from Siege of Coruscant, and Slider in the Z95. So he's traded the two higher value pieces out for more beefy clone nonsense. Uh, Stephen Weiland, I don't know, is flying the three Siege of Coruscant arcs, Click, Broadside, and Slider. Um, so again, trading out the more expensive pieces for a few cheaper pieces. And then Jay Cumley is flying Anakin in the Etta um, from Siege of Coruscant, Oddball and Sinker. So it's actually a different arc um, with Kickback from Siege of Coruscant and Padme. Um, so a bit different, but basically the same kind of archetype. So it was a bit kind of weird that, like, day one, four republics. Um, shout out to Joel Springle, who I know listens to the podcast and plays in the Sith Taker Leagues. Um, he was flying Resistance um, Falcon and three T-70s, and he went three and two um, and just missed out. Um, so shout out to him. So there was a lot of people who went kind of three three wins, two losses, um, and didn't get through. Um, we do have the um, the joy of the intentional draw, I believe, that happened um, a bit later on on one of the other days when two players were on four, and they just did an intentional draw to ensure that they got through um, because losing. Anyway, I think they were both on three and one. No, I, that can't be right because that wouldn't work. I might be making that up. Um, so yeah. Anyway, day one, loads of Republic. Any thoughts, Steve? Have you have you met this Republic beast yet in the wild? Um, I I played against something similar um, in Bristol, mm-hmm. and basically tried to set the rocks up so that the arcs couldn't come through as a block, and then tried to pick them off one by one. But I think it's it's an answer. I'm, I think Heaver was saying this. It's it's an answer to Han. You can't one shot. The opponent's ship off. There's enough beef there that yeah. they can trap Han and they can take it down. Yeah, and he seems to be the meta monster at the moment. Although I think the meta is adjusting to him. Mm-hmm. This is part of the answer. So I think you're just going to see this. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and arcs are cool. It's nice to see him on the map. Yeah, they look pretty. Um, I I was I mentioned this in a couple of Discord servers. Um, I was flying three arcs plus Anakin before UK Games Expo, and I. I wrote it off because I flew into a couple of people playing resistance T70 blocks with like four T70s plus something else. And it just gobbled the arcs up, like literally just annihilated one a turn. And there was nothing you could do about it because the arcs have to pick a lane, go into it and joust things and hope to come out the other side um, or that you trade up against them. And you just couldn't trade up against the resistance jousting block. It was just rude um, of what it did to the arc. So it's interesting because Han plus friends can pick off those resistance ships because of the higher initiative shots and the, the maneuverability um, against the fixed arcs, but the arcs can't outfly that resistance joisting block. Mm. Um, so I don't know, like, I think there was only two players played resistance in this um, in this heat, um, and it was Joel who came fifth, and um, somebody called C Lusty or Clusty or something, um, who flew five T70s and came dead last, um, was 03 drop. So, um, you know, it's it's obviously not an obvious answer, but you know, looking down this list, there was a lot of rebel beef around that wasn't Han. Um, so there, there was quite a few Falcons, kind of a little bit further up in the in the pickings, but. Rebels did not fare well at all um, on on the Thursday. Um, I'll just skip to Friday, um, Friday Heat. Uh, so the Friday Heat was um, 
again, like a few more people qualified out of this one because this was the bigger one. There was so there was thirty one players in this one. Um, some notable people who didn't qualify, um, like Doug How Duncan Howard was playing Resistance Falcon in three T seventies again, just didn't make the cut three T. So feels like it's one of those lists that's almost but not quite there. Um and Cat Patrick, who's Crispy's sister, who's recently started playing, who who went three and two and represented Scum uh with oh, I don't know what that is, a YV, a hawk and a fang and I don't understand. Um, I, I met Kat at Worlds in yeah. March and she was doing Scum then and I think she's just solidly been on Scum she's very good Yeah, unsurprisingly yeah. being Crispy's sister she's very yeah. good quite a high level of competition in the Patrick <laughs> I, understand. I understand that their dad plays as well um, but isn't isn't as good as his, as his progeny so um, it's just the to Florida mention, Burnett's isn't it? it is the Florida Burnett's yeah <laughs> um, so in this one, the, the people who went through was Andrew Schmidt, who I've known of kind of for a while. He went through on 5-0. and um, I used to chat to him on Slack when that was a thing. Um, he was using the Falcon Han, Yavin Luke, A-Wing, Fang list. Um, then somebody called Laconian, who was using Heaver's list with the three arcs, Padme and Anakin. Uh, Zach Bart, who was using two Fangs, an A-Wing, an X-Wing, and Sabine, probably. So it's probably Luke, Keel, Sabine, two Fangs. Um, so it'll be Bodica and Fen, I guess. Probably. Well, you can't do that, can you? That's far too many points. Let's have a look. Oh, Fen, Bodica, no, yeah, Sabine, Bodica. And Hera, and, oh, wow, Hera. Okay. Um, better. Yeah, that's that's pretty rude. There's a lot of fun in that list. Um, somebody called Cappy Zoom, and I can't believe that's what his mum and dad call him. Um, but he's nope. got. Um, I think the R is missing. <laughs> he's flying resistance with Ray Eloasti, Merle Cobbin, Shasta, and Chorus. So two Y wings um, with uh, oh intuitive interface Y wings. So. Um, zoomy Y-Wing slinging calculates about and doing fun stuff and then Battlebrow who flew um, something that's a bit closer to the version of the, the Heaver list that I was flying he had Anakin and Obi-Wan in the Etas rather than uh, having Padme so um, a little bit more of a mix but again kind of the stuff that we're expecting to see getting into cut oh I should talk I should mention Crispy's list Crispy flew four FO kind of aces so we flew Von Reg and Hollow in the TIE Interceptors, in the BA Interceptors. Then he flew Whisper Kylo, and he flew Whisper Wrath. So that's four five-point ships um, that are very much kind of acing around the place. Um, it's a very good lift. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very cheeky. Von Reg is obviously your flanker, and the other three tend to go up from the middle with Hollow is support, chucking tokens. Yeah, but I I did see one match where um, Vader came in and took a lock on Hollow, mm-hmm. and then they got to the start of engagement. And Chris went, "This is a little bit cheeky, but Hollow has to pass a token. That lock is a token. I'm going to chuck it over to this other ship, and you have no arc." Yep. Back to two dice. Sorry, Vader. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had if, that if you know what you're doing with it, it's a very very good list. Yeah, you want to kill Hollow because of what it enables, but you can't. Mm. You can't focus Fire Hollow with locks and munitions and stuff because um, she just neuters it. Um, yeah. And she's got deuterium power cells. I mean, he's got deuterium power cells in both of his um, IBAs. So if you don't kill them, they disappear, um, take evades, regenerate the shields, and then come back around again. Um, meanwhile, you're being jammed and munched on by the whispers. Um, well, he's, he's got a mag pulse on both of the, um, the BAs. So 
you can jam four ships or jam a couple of ships twice. Yeah, it's horrible. This is this is like we chatted to Crispy a lot. He, He basically he thinks that resistance pods are one of the best ships in the game, and everybody's sleeping on them because they've got free jam as a like as an mm. action um and while it's red but it's like you can have a two-point ship that can jam stuff in bb8 why why doesn't everybody take it and it's like yeah it's a it's a good ship but you know uh, there's other options like he he was a cheerleader for finn being put up to four um and he still thinks that finn is cheap um at four and thinks he should be more well, it's like well, no, hang on a minute. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's an interesting. It's a very different list as well. Um, it's like there's a couple of like he's the only FO like that we've looked at so far, and there's not been a lot of FO that's kind of um, been shaking things down. Even though they kind of didn't get nerfed in the last points, but I don't know. What do you think of FO at the minute, Liam? I think they're in a really good spot. You can start. Yeah. You can see a few archetypes. Obviously, we've got the I can shoot at I seven or I six, and lots of shots, uh, which is really strong. Probably not the healthiest for the game, but if you can take it, you take it. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to see the four ship ace variant as well, where there's a couple of whispers, and then two pieces of choice. And you're normally looking at Kylo. Well, Kylo being the whisper, but you're looking at Von Reg to fill that third spot. <laughs> and then yep. sort of whatever flavour of shit you fancy. I think there's yeah. definitely the most variety in the faction of what you can take. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, passing orange tokens in any variation is one of the strongest things you can do in the game. Yeah. And they have that in abundance. Yeah. And like you can take whisp- a lot whispers. of whispers. Yep, whispers. Just jam tokens are so strong because it inherently keeps you alive. Yeah, you're kind of leaning. Go on. I was going to say you're kind of leaning a little bit into variants. I know I've played against um, Kester a few times with whispers, and when he can't do anything about his blanks. Um, because he's rolling with a focus token because he's taken a focus rotate or he's done a rotate jam so that he's got a shot um, and then he doesn't have mods and kind of it can be a bit rough on the old variants but like just looking at Crispy's list it's kind of a like he's obviously trying to mitigate that by hollow token passing plus he's got... I was just going to say I think that's why he's taken hollow because I yeah. I went down to the Welsh Open and I think in two games um with Kylo he double blanked and I lost yeah. him and it's like uh, it's so painful and at least uh, he can chuck an evade or a focus over to him give him a chance yeah Pro- probably the evade most of the time yeah, if Hollow has an evade token just sitting there and Kylo's in three arcs, you give him an evade and that just probably keeps him alive with his force. Yeah. At least it lets him get out of a, a blank out. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's cool. We'll talk a little bit more about um, some of Crispy's later games because he did, uh, as I say, he was streaming. So they're basically the ones that we've been able to watch. Um, so, and I mean, he's named the list the fun police so fair enough (laughs) (laughs) right um so that's that one uh saturday heat we got back down as i said 21 players um four people made it through on this one um so rathos um creator of yasby maintainer of yasby um he got through with a rebel list um of 
Han Solo, no surprises. Uh, Luke, Battle of Yavin, Sabine, no surprises. And Chopper, so big old, I've seen this list around a few times. It's a big old smash face list. Um, you know, you, your decision point is, do you try and kill Chopper um, for those six points that seem easy to get? Um, but while you're trying to kill Chopper in a VCX, you have Han, Luke and Sabine kind of chipping away at you. Um, or do you let Chopper with his, at that point, single modded gun because you're not shooting him, so you're not activating a lot of his abilities? Oh, it's, no, it's double modded because he takes lock plus Saw Gerrera. Um, are you letting Chopper just have free reign to murder your list? Um, yeah, plus some free jams every so often as well because he moves at very low initiative. So um, what could be a disadvantage of being low initiative and being initiative killed can end up jamming, like double jamming heaps of ships. So... Um, yeah, it's an interesting list, that Rebel one. So um, that was Rathos. Uh, I should say that the the 5-0 and o player on day three um, on Saturday Swiss was Nick Sperry flying um, Imperials. So we've got uh, a Battle of Yavin Vader. Oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, Battle of Yavin. I was going to say it's not. Oh, no, but it is. Um, so Battle of Yavin Vader, Marek Steel um, in a tie advanced. Backstabber, Molar Missile, and then Tomax Bren with Baratrockets and Saturation Salvo and a bomblet. So uh, just one of the bombers, um, the I-5 one. So no rerolls on that stuff unless he gets bullseyes on it. But the Battle of Yaventai's Invader seems like another one of those lists where you kind of look at it and go, yeah, they're all individually strong pieces. Um, it's interesting to see that it's come away from the three bombers down to two bombers, and now people are just sticking one bomber in. I think I still think three bombers is a strong list. Like, mm. like it, it still is. Um, and I don't like. I think the American meta is very much at the minute being influenced by what's done well before. Because if I look down this day four, so another weird thing to rem to remember is that on this day three Saturday heat, people were able to see what people were flying on Thursday and Friday because they could yeah, look so at they the role better lists. And if they lived relatively locally, they could adjust. Or if they're one of those weird people that drives 47 days in America to get to something because that's like a short distance for them and just has their entire collection in a Plano box in the back of in the back seat of the car um, and just be like, quickly. But, I mean, just looking down it, there's not a, it doesn't look like there's been a huge amount of teching, but there are a lot of people on three and two or on two and three who are flying three arcs, Padme and Anakin. Um, you know, there's there's very clearly um, some local... Stop moving. Sorry. You will be sorry. <laughs> it's my helper with the wheelchair. <laughs> um, so I was just saying, there's a lot of this kind of similar stuff. But that said, none of the people on Saturday Heat who were flying that three arcs Padme Anakin made cut. Um, so the cut was made by uh, Ryan Farmer from uh, the other two people were Ryan Farmer from uh, Minox and Marcel Manzano from Gold Squadron. Um, Mar uh, Ryan was flying the same thing we mentioned a few weeks back, the Han Fen Luke Keo list that he won a store championship with. And Marcel was flying Republic, yes, but different Republic. So he was flying Anakin in a Delta B Ether Sprite. So seven health Anakin with his shield upgrade, R4P and Daredevil. So little 90 degree boosts. Um, Rick Olay with Daredevil, Predator, Fire Control and R4P. So R4P makes one basic maneuver, uh, sorry, two basic maneuvers 
it's two charges, um, one step easier. So a red down to a white, white down to a blue. So it opens up Rick's dial hugely. Um, our oddball in the arc. So it's an I five ship with selfless, which is always a good a good shout. Then click, which I'm guessing is putting a lock on Rick and Anakin, although maybe an oddball to help keep him alive for a turn longer. Um, and then slider with lone wolf, which is an interesting. Um, objective piece because Slider being able to sideslip every other turn with Lone Wolf, he's often going to have that thing active. So a bit of, I mean, years ago. Is, is he one of the two point sets? Yes. yes. Yeah, he's a two point yeah. set. Yeah. So a couple of years, like years ago, Will Pintar used to always talk about Marcel's list building and about how it was interesting because he, he marched to the beat of his own drum and he built lists for himself. He didn't fly the meta. He always just built the list and flew it. And because he's a solid player, he's a very good player, um, he always does well with it. And then nobody can replicate what he did with the lists that he builds because he builds lists that suit him and how he plays. Um, so it'll be interesting to see this and see how he plays it. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see a Galactic Republic list at the moment in America that's not three arcs plus Anakin and something else um, getting into a cut. Um, it's very obvious to me that... The meta in these events is being hugely influenced by two or three individual people or groups of people um, who have kind of evangelized almost for a list. Maybe like we know Paul Heaver went on to, was it Gold Squadron and talked about why three arcs was brilliant against Han? So a load of people have just taken it because, you know, a lot of people in America consume Gold Squadron as their as their primary kind of podcast place to get x-wing tactics and strategy and data and information from um but then you've also got the that falcon fen that han fen luke keo list which is something that i know the carolina crates and andrew cox who came second at worlds have been banging on about being the best thing in the game um so and there's a lot of those two lists around in these in these things so you can see that people are just going yep yeah, i'll fly that good thing but as ever they're down at the bottom tables in the one and fours and the two and threes <clears> as much as they're in the top tables. So just, you know, as usual, picking the right list doesn't always guarantee you getting access to the top tables. So I think um, it's if, you know, yeah, you can say it's a great list with free arcs and with Padme and with Anakin. But if you're taking that a week before a big event, you're not going to be able to fly it that well. Yeah, I think where, where, little... where, where do you put Anakin? Is he yeah. your flanker? Is he a distraction? Do you put him in the middle? How do you get you know Padme into the right position? You need practice. Yeah, I think the Padme one's the interesting one because I know a lot of people who've flown the list have kind of said I just Padme just kept dying in the first engagement, and it's like yep, mm. yep, because you've got to get Padme's arc on the ships that are shooting, but you have to have those ships shooting at your arcs and mitigating yeah. the damage that's going into the arcs. Um, interesting rules-based hilarity for Padme with um, saturation salvo bombers is that because of the way that words are written down, is if a saturation salvo bomber uses a f modifies a focus um, when it's attacking a ship and it's in Padme's arc, when the defensive ship rolls, if it rolls focuses, the saturation salvo can't happen because they've already modified a focus yeah and the way that the words are written basically says that while you defender perform an attack you can only modify one focus um or it's during the attack and the rolling of the defense dice and the modification of them counts as during the attack so it's it's weird but it like 
I was reading through it and like spoke to other rulesy people and they were like, yeah, it checks out. Padme can stop Saturation Salvo from forcing you to reroll focus results if they've already spent a focus to modify their attack dice. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Good to know. Um, I think the other thing to say about that list and one of the reasons why Padme is really good is because she's one of the best things versus Han Solo's ability. Um, because if he rolls lots of eyeballs, she screws him. Um, but it's a bit of an odd one. So anyway, that was day three. And those people that we've lists we've talked about went through to day four, part two. I don't know what to call it. Um, and they played another two rounds of Swiss, and then they cut to top four. So we'll just talk about the four lists that went, uh, the, the four people, because we've talked about the lists already. So the four people that ended up in cut was Crispy with his 4FO. It was Nick Sperry with his um, kind of five-ship Imperial Salad. It was Zach Bart with his... Two Fangs, Sabine, Hera, Luke, and it was Tyler Tippett with uh, what's going to be called the Heaver List from now on, even though Tyler's won Gen Con with it um, because Paul invented it. So um, they went in and did a bit of a um, four round, uh, sorry, a little little two rounds of Swiss, uh, knocked the people out. Um, top four, Nick beat Zach. Tyler beat Crispy. Um, I understand that there was an, a, an, an instance of Crispy dialing in a sloop one direction instead of the other, which put him on a debris cloud, which meant that he basically guaranteed the loss when he would have guaranteed the win if he dialed the right way. So it happens to everybody. Um, in the wise words of the Chuckle Brothers, oh dear. Oh check dear, your oh dial. dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> I thought you were going to say in the wise words of the Chuckle Brothers, check your dials. I don't recall that episode. Um so yeah, so uh, Tyler with his three arcs beats Crispy and uh, Nick Sperry with his um, thingy list, which I've forgotten already, um, beat, uh, beat Zach. And then Tyler won it in the end. So well done to Tyler Tippett. Um, he's a well-known kind of high-level player in America. Um, so well done to him for winning that, uh, that event at Gen Con. As I said, I mean, I was looking at it and... I mean, I can't understand why Gen Con, which is one of the biggest non-Worlds events that happens in X-Wing in America, had, like, whatever it was, 78 78 players across three days of Swiss. And, like, I've thought about it since Saturday, and I cannot think why the only thing that i've seen put up as a potential reason is that gen con's prices went up and it was like 200 dollars for the weekend and with it being like a four or five day event potentially like a lot of people just didn't go if but, you're only going for x-wing why would you pay 200 dollars? yeah and, has I it always wonder... um, been a, a thursday friday saturday or has it been a friday saturday it's always and been one cut. of those ones. Yeah, it's always been one because of those it, ones. Because the Americans don't like taking time off work, do they? So if you're suddenly looking at it going, I've got to drive up or fly on the Wednesday and then another two days, that's a big yeah. commitment. It's a bit of a weird one because because of the way this year that they did Swiss. I think normally they do Swiss Friday, Saturday, and then they did the cut on the Sunday. Mm. But previously, they've apparently there was like a limit to um four games on the sunday which is why they didn't do an ordinary cut because they were expecting more players and i i read somewhere that they were going to limit 
the cut to being like if there weren't 32 players in your heat you weren't able to get into cut so they were going no. to and, and then they ruled back on that when they realized they weren't going to get 32 players on any of the days never mind mm. on all of them um but like so they've had to flex it they were obviously expecting it to be enormous because you know they put 100 tables out more than 100 tables out so i saw a video with 105 table number 105 on it um so you know they said no stream because we won't have space then they put 105 tables out and then they were only using at best 16 table 15 tables um per day um leaving aside people playing casual games who were not in the heat that was currently playing or whatever like i can't i can't understand it like there was 120 people at gen con last year and that's just drop drop down so like i don't know if it's like the format being a bit weird like you know cut into more cut or whether you know what it doesn't matter if i'm going to play x-wing i'm going to play x-wing it must just it it can only be the cost can't it if you if you if you had 120 players last year and you think the the community i'm just spitballing here is has grown and you're thinking we're going to get 200 you have a hundred tables, but then you split it over three days. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, there was well, why, why would you no have so many tables? Policy. Hmm? There was also no guns policy, and we all know Americans like those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, right. You're taking so, away my freedom. I'm not going. Oh, dearie me. Right. We're going to quickly skip down some store championships now. We've talked about Gen Con. We're not going to solve the world problems of what goes on um, in America. We're only going to talk about ones that um, store championships, that is not problems. We're going to talk about store championships with more than 16 people at them. Um, so apologies if you played at or won one. Um, if it had less than 16 people, we're not going to talk about you. So Because you don't get your invite. Yeah. Ah. So there was one in Dark Sphere. Uh, so that's in the UK. Um, just reading down, there's a whole bunch of people um, who it's great to see um, continuing to play X-Wing and, and, you know, a load of people whose names I recognize from kind of the past as well, getting back in. So um, Simrandeep Pony, who was had won a, either a system opener or a nationals in version one, and I've not seen him at big events, um, went to this one. Um, as well as you know the the continuing rise of Alex Burt, um, coming back the from re- the one eight six squadron podcast, the re rise. He's getting back into it. So um, he's the real X wing Jesus. He's risen again. <laughs> Who's this? So, um, I think the the Americans would pronounce it Martin Chivers. Didn't he Martin win something Chivers. back in the day? He won something one time. He's been yeah. winning stuff this time round though. He's he's been doing all right in two point five. He's been around <laughs> for a bit. A um, lot of first order. At um, at the Dark Sphere X Wing Store Championship, so it was won by uh, Fruitcake Bat, who is um, Liam Greg Squires. Did you say? No, it's Greg Squire, not Liam Greg Squire. Thanks. Um, <laughs> That's his middle name. So uh, he won. He he won the day with uh, Von Reg, Kylo, Malorus, DT seven ninety eight, and Ember. Um, second place was uh, Marcus Wilson, who we've chatted about. Him, he's done well with events before. He's been on the podcast actually as well. Um, with Quick Draw, Midnight, Malorus, Galax, Scorch, and DT seven nine eight, so a six ship kind of swarm. Uh, then Martin Chivers came third with Whirlwind, Midnight, Major. Oh, just the first order stuff. And then Dale Cromwell, who <laughs> won something back in the day as well, um, uh, with again five first order ships that shoot at high initiatives. Um, 
the first non-first order player was Ed Gold, who came in at fifth um, with Han Solo, with Nora Wexley, with In an Arc, uh, Sabine Wren, and Chopper. So uh, a Falcon, an Arc One Seventy, a, a VCX, and then a little little Tie Fighter zooming about in between the, the three kind of big chunky boys. Um, so well done to to Greg. Um, yeah, the rise of the First Order, and it's happening in... Where's Darksphere? Is it in Dorset? Is it oh, no, London? That's London. Darksphere's London, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because I think they um, they start really late, and they? didn't they start at about 11 o'clock in the morning? I don't know. I don't know. I've got a feeling they only did five rounds. I get very, very confused by um, some of the store championships, I must admit. like I think I think it was last year fanboy maybe or somebody like tried to start at midday and it was like you're going to be there till 10 o'clock at night if you want to have a decent store championship no no we shot at six it's like what i don't understand it and then i saw one in the to's chat again this year one of the one of the stores is trying to say you know yeah we'll open at 10 but we have to either charge you loads of money to pay overtime to start earlier or you have to just play less time. And it's like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't understand. And I, I always forget how fortunate we are that Element have a late license. And, you know, they'll they'll be happy to have a room full of people playing X-Wing. So they'll send a staff member down an hour early to, to open up so we can get set up and stuff. But, um, yeah, so anyway, that was Dark Sphere. I was going to ask about the lists, but it's pretty hard to identify any differences between the top four in an almost mirror match laden well, Martin's just copied copied uh, Dell's list. Yeah, he's just he's just a netlister. He's just blatantly <laughs> copied Dell's list. You know what, Steve? I'm going to give you this one. <laughs> this, this, this is originally my list that Steve took from me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This is actually Steve's list. This is Steve Bolton's list, and he showed it to. Martin Chivers on a whim going, what do you think of this? Well, the, 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 the actual story is I was mm-hmm. out walking the dog, head sinking, and then I sent a message to Martin and said, this is terrible. I know it's going to be terrible, but do you realize you can get a, a squad of I-6s? And then the next thing I see is that him and Dell were playing it. <laughs> and I said, do you know what? In eight years of playing this bloody game, there you go, Tim, you need to cut one out. Eight years of playing this game, I've never come up with a good list. And now if I turn up anywhere, they're going to go, oh, you're just using Martin and Dell's list. <laughs> it's all right. You've, you've got to come on here and talk about it. <laughs> so at least at least seven people globally will know that it was yours. It's all good. <laughs> no, um, it is forever Dell's list. <laughs> right. We're going to talk about the heart of Texas X-Wing Store Championship next, which is... The um, Root and shoot them up. The Root and Tootin Heart of Texas Um x-wing store championship which was won by squirrel is his name spelt wrong but s-q-y-r-e-l in list fortress so um he was using uh han fen key and look so that list um with um with the correct hand build with bistan chop uh oh wait no oh yeah perceptive chopper bistan engine upgrade yeah no trick shot um second place was uh the delightfully night named Vomit Blood. Um, so, okay. <laughs> Who was flying Heaver's list? So it might have been created to kill uh, that hand list, but it didn't on that instance uh, in on top table. 
Uh, and then in the two top four were, um, what's this one? A Republic, Slider plus Lone Wolf, Anakin. Oh, this is Marcel's list again. No, it's not. No, nearly. Um, he's got Contrail instead of Click, and he's got Padme instead of Rick. Um, so it's basically another combination of count to 20 with uh, good Republic ships that cost four or five, um, filling around a seven-point Anakin. Um, so there's that one. And then, uh, I mean, an interesting Imperial list. Vizier, so that's the Reaper with Palpatine. Rampage, that's the Thai Heavy with synced laser cannons. Captain Jonas, Major Rhymer, Tomax Bren with barrage rockets and uh, saturation salvo, but not on all of them. So actually, this is interesting because I was reading Don going, yeah, yeah, bombers. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, there's only one saturation salvo. So he's got swarm tactics on Rhymer and Bren. He's got magpulse warheads and dead eye shot. So basically, he's, he's filled in because he wants swarm tactics. He's got slightly less muni- uh, worse munitions on Tomax. But that means that he's shooting uh, a lot of stuff at I-5 because he's um, Swarm Tactics chaining off Rhymer, who's the five. And then filled in with the Black Squadron Ace for two points. That's not bad. That's uh, six ships of three dice out the front. Seems good. I like it. What do you think, guys? He's he's got a Magpulse on Tomek, so he's going to take away your token and then hit you with everything else. Awesome. Decent. Bit of Palpatine force floating about so Tomax can have a focus mod on his uh, on his lock shot as well. Yeah, it's a bit cheeky. So I mean he came top four um before getting knocked out. Um and yet was won by one of the one of the two meta monsters that are floating around in America at the moment. So not sure which one he lost to, but yeah. Um so well done to Squirrel. If that's how you pronounce it, I don't know. Um, or is it just one of those internet names that you're not meant to say, you're just meant to look at? Um, I don't know. Uh, and then I think the last one that we're going to talk about is the Jolt Games X-Wing Store Championship, which was somewhere in America. Um, and it was won by... Uh, okay, so they just played four rounds of Swiss without any cut. And it was won by 5T70s, by Swanee. Um so LOSD, Carrie Kun, Nimi Chirin, Jess Pava, and Vanessa Doza. So all of the good 4.T70s with a combination of upgrades on them, none of which I would have put on there myself, but he's done it. Um, it's always weird. It's like, wait, optics? He's, so he's got basically advanced optics at R4 Astromech on everything and then filled in the points other than Doza, who he's put barrage rockets on because she can fire them out the butt. Um, mini fire spray and all that. So... It's weird seeing Jess Pavel with Optics plus an R4 instead of something else. But, you know, Optics is a really strong choice because you're basically guaranteeing yourself kind of two and a half hits um, with the T70. So, well done, this morning. Do you think you're starting to see the meta changing because there's so much output in attack now to <clears throat> champion ships? Yeah. I think that's why. So, I think that's the thing that. Paul said about his arc list is that there's not many lists that can take an arc off in one turn of shooting. Mm. Um, so they're always going to get to shoot back at least once and probably twice. Um, yeah, which, which is the same firing. looking at this X-Wing list. Yeah, It's going to take time to take that down. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I don't think this is optimized because advanced optics isn't the most sensible upgrade on some of these ships, but um, like there's other things that you can do to increase efficiency and expected damage. But that said, it's relatively low initiative in the current meta because you've got two fours, a three and a two, as well as a five. So in most uh, games, you'll be able to f- spend your focus on attack without worrying about it with mm. optics, um, which is usually the problem with optics is you don't want to just spend your focus all the time. Um, so, I mean, I was looking down this expecting to see, you know, R68 and Snap and M9G8 and have you having, you know, all those rerolls firing about the place as well. But he's literally just slammed optics and everything and said, right, that'll do. So, cool. Uh, when you second. when you when you look at that list with low initiative, mm-hmm. and there was talk a, a while ago that we were going towards I five I six, and that was where it was. But then you look at that list and say, well, an average game is six turns. Some of my ships have to go off and start grabbing objective points. So if I go for the I two to try and get it off the board, it's probably going to survive that turn. So then I've got to go after it for the next turn. And I've only got four turns to go, and the first turn was probably trying to get into engagement. It's playing that chunk game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it, it, T70s are really hard to kill um, because usually the ones that you want to kill have got, you know, heroic, so they can't blank out or they're unlikely to blank out because they won't double blank. They've got seven health, they've got mm. two greens. Um, they're not easily one roundable unless you really catch one of them cold with like four ships shooting it, you know, at kind of range one and two. Um, and, and if he's a really good player and you get one of those ships down to one or two hull, he just breaks it out and says, well, you got either go and chase it and I'll go and grab all the other points. Yeah. And he'll just feed the other ships in and then you're starting again. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's a, it's a strong looking list. I know what you're saying about optimizing it, but just the, the bare bones of it, five T70s is strong. Yeah, I, I think it was the thing that everybody saw when the points changed at the first place mm. and said, and said, oh, that's terrifying. We've got to do something about that. Um, I think most people who've gone to five T70s have fairly quickly got rid of one of them and put something else in in its place, um, whether that's Lulu or Zori Bliss with a y, in a Y-Wing with some munitions. Um but yeah, like the core of the core of the T seventies is really, really strong. Um it can comfortably one round an arc in that in that three arcs, even with Padme. Um it can comfortably take an arc off the board every turn and it can potentially take three off in two turns if the dice like if the arcs don't roll evades. Um and you know, you maximize your hits. You can get rid of one and start on the second and then get rid of it and start on the third um in two turns quite comfortably um and if you're very lucky and crits and stuff happen you could take three off in two turns because it absolutely punches like it really slaps um but um anyway second place list was uh rebels um it's han solo with bistan again luke skywalker battle of yavin uh then a couple of t a uh, couple of a-wings actually this time around wedge and keel in a-wings and sabine in uh i mean she's the best two-pointer right so um she's going to be in all of the rebel lists so as well as having the really powerful pieces of han and luke you, know, you, you have han luke sabine and then you put something else in in for the the remaining points um 
Third place was, so that was Dee Dee Sunder. So well done to him for coming second. Uh, Roundy came third with Ferroff, um, Vader with Malice and HLC. So that must be Defender Vader. Um, Captain Jonas and Major Rhymer. So two bombers, Defender Vader and Ferroff with Captain Hark. Somebody tell me what Captain Hark does. Uh, (laughs) you can hear Liam thinking or you can hear Liam opening Yasby oh I've only got the crew card no no. (laughs) hang on Tim Tim, you need to cut this (laughs) oh Tim's used to this nonsense Captain Hawk after you fully execute a red manoeuvre, if you are not focused, you can spend a charge to gain a focus token. He's got two charges. Okay, so he can stop or sloop and get a focus token. That's fine. I was about to say that. Yeah, I, I know. Right it's on the it. tip of your tongue. Um, interesting. Good to see upgrades that we don't see often. Um, and then, uh, yeah, third place was um, Resistance, which was Poe plus 3T70s. So, uh, again, a really strong... Uh, sorry, fourth place, sorry, was Oz Gremlin with that. So, again, a another show in for that kind of pull plus three. Um, I think it's good, but it looks like it's not good enough. It's kind of swimming around just under the placings. So it, it might be one of those perennial bridesmaid lists, but I don't know. I know um, Dom won a store championship with Poe a few weeks back. So um, yeah. All right. Cool. Anything there jump out at you as I rattled through a hundred lists, Liam? No. No. <laughs> no, Fair there wasn't enough. really anything that I, I was expecting to not be there. Although so, at five, we do have a separatist list with two <laughs> Magna Guard Protectorates, Dirge, Cad Bane. Yeah, and like this TA one. Yeah, for, that's that's two two boxes bought on the day, isn't it? <laughs> that's that's three four boxes. of them, isn't it? That's four of them, isn't it? That's that's, that's four a three bo- that's a three box list because you need oh no four boxes so you need two boxes of the road class the hot shots and aces two and a tri fighter yeah unless so, yeah. it's the siege of coruscant one which I believe it is which means it's five boxes that got more mm. expensive as I was thinking about it but yeah <laughs> like I, I do love the look of that list because the road class I think as a model is really nice. Yeah. Um, I hate Cad Bane's paint job. It's got nothing to do with his dreamy red eyes. Uh, but no, that looks like a really fun list and there's clearly a plan to keep Dirge or Cad Bane alive or maybe DIST81 uh, with the Magna Guards. Yeah. But having sync laser cannons, independent calcs and discords, it's just going to cause problems for you because you will have a Discord missile on you. You might not get your range bonus at range three. Uh, I really yeah. like it. <clears throat> I mean, I'm I'm going to kind of burst your bubble a little bit here by telling you that in a four-round event, he went two and two. And he finished top of the two and twos, but he did go two and two. So, um, yeah, it's in, I think it looks like a really, like, it's one of those lists that you see across the table and you go, oh, that's cool. I've literally never played against this before. Now I have to really think about your ships and what they do and how to approach it. And you almost aren't as casual into it as you would be against a known quantity. So, um, yeah, it's I mean, it's sad that you went two and two. Because that's, well, that's upset me. I got excited about the list and then you did that. <laughs> he, came fi- he came fifth. He came fifth. Oh, oh, oh sad. 
he got six event points, so that's that's two wins or a win in three draws, which I can't believe is what happened. So, um, so cool. That was the Jolt Games X Wing Store Championship somewhere in America, and that's us through the store championships. You'll be pleased to hear. Uh, so, Steve. Right, question you for sent, you. You sent me a message. You asked me a question. I said, that's no. an interesting question. Let's talk about it on the podcast. So far away. Before we do, yeah. can I ask a question? No, you're about to ask a question and you've just no, asked No, I, I, want, I want to do another question. Go Han on, is then. the big bad. Yep. How many store comps or competitions has he actually won? Because oh, I, I don't think it's that many. So it's, right, I'm going to counter you now. <laughs> and this is an, an uppercut of information coming from way down low, so prepare that jaw. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not about what he's winning. It's more about how much he's turning up and the strength of the piece itself. Yeah, this, he's a gatekeeper. It's a massive gatekeeper. So if you're going to a store champ and 25% of the lists have hand, and you run into hand round one, it completely ruins your day if you mm. can't handle him. Uh, like, when I'm going to a tournament, I'm seeing hand 20 to 25% of the lists. Right. So I've got, I've just opened up while we're talking, Meta, uh, meta Wing. Uh, so meta.listfortress.com. So oh, you younglings it. with your software. Right. So it, it lists the most commonly used pilots. So number one is Battle of Yavin Luke Skywalker, yeah. who has appeared in 174 squadrons, which is 17.36% of squadrons have that Luke Skywalker in um, across 59 tournaments and 57.28% of tournaments he's of lists in, oh, sorry, of tournaments he appears in. Um, and this is, is this all time? Oh no, this is in the last month. So in the last month, followed then by Keo Venzi, so there is obviously, a, that's a high-value piece. That's one of the non-I4, I5, I6 pieces that sees a lot of play because Keo is really good. Um, then it's Han Solo, who appears in 150 squadrons, which is just under 15% of squadrons. Um, so, And this that's across all factions, not Rebel. So Han is the third most common piece. And we're still just building the same the, the one rebel list at the moment, and then fourth place is Fenrau. So of the which Fenrau, oh, uh, rebel Fenrau. So um, in a fang, in a fang. So you've basically built that that Han that Han Fen Keel list that um, has been winning things in America. Um, then after that, it's Sabine. So the top five ships, the top five pilots. Sorry, in MetaWing are rebels and they are the five pilots that you put together in a combination to create a list at the moment um after that it's malarus from first order then eloasti and resistance and then you know wolf oddball and arcs and then you know you start to see the other common stuff coming through um i think it's massively telling that those i think han is the big bad rightfully so but it's not han by himself it's Han with the other high-value rebel pieces that is scary, because if you put all of your eggs into the basket of trying to catch and kill Han, then you're ignoring double-modded proton torpedoes, whatever nonsense they've decided to put on Keo, whether that's a Procket or Duke or cluster missiles or whatever, um, plus an I-6 Fang fighter, 
that if it's still alive in Endgame, you just won't be able to kill because it's an I6 Fang fighter and it's got Concordia and a focus token and it doesn't care. Um, and if you decide to not shoot Han, then and you're facing into everything else, then you've got Han just unmolested, circling around the combat, just throwing two double modded three dice attacks into you. Um, initiative killing stuff for fun later on in the game. And that's why I think that list is really good. And it's not just Han. People focus on Han as the problem, but there's three other ships that are all really, really good as well. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I find it interesting that when Han was eight points, you hardly ever saw him. Yeah. But seven, so seven feels too cheap, eight feels too expensive, but they're locked in. And I don't know what they do apart from taking away some of his uh, his slots to Drop affect him. Drop his yeah. own. I was talking to Ben Saunders about this, and Ben Saunders was running Hannah eight anyway, and he said he was still good value. He seemed fair, but it's seven points. It's a no brainer. Yeah. If you're running rebels, you start with Han. It's a thirteen health I six double tapping ship with soft double mods. That is absolutely unreal. So the, all you can do at the moment it, with him is either you knock him back up to eight, but I think there needs to be a point reduction. Uh, if he's seven, he shouldn't be able to take Bist and Trickshot and Perkop. So, so they, they everywhere else, like across the board in the last points update, where they dropped something's points that would make it massively more powerful, they commensurately dropped its loadout. So a lot of things went, you know, from seven down to six or from six down to five, and their, their loadout got halved. Um, poor one out for, for poor ZZ in an A-wing, who's went up in points and whose loadout came down as well, um, just for no reason other than it looks like um, playtesters didn't catch that they hadn't corrected the points values around. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think other, AMG... I think AMG are actually ahead of the curve on this one, and the fix is coming out because they're going to bring out Dash with Bistan stamped to him. Do you think so? Yeah, and then you'll have a double tap in Dash. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, That's six like, points. Like, the, there's another that. seven point Falcon. I told you I was going to talk about resistance. There's another seven point Falcon that we're hardly seeing, which is Ray. And Ray is crazy good at seven points. Mm. Like, as a Falcon, Ray is unbelievable at seven points. I, I mean, I know. Um, a good few weeks ago now, Tom Fieldson won a, a store championship with Ray plus Poe in a T70. But most people who are flying a Falcon in resistance are looking at Poe because, you know, he's very, very good. But Ray, if you can fly Ray well, is is Han Solo levels of broken, at, you know, because she's still got the loadout she needs for absolutely everything, plus a little bit of choice. Um, she's got the absolute nonsense of heroic um, with Finn and Rose, um, you know, just make some choices about what dice you spend and then activate all your abilities and then avoid two hits, it's fine. Just do whatever you like. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen the depths of what the points have unlocked because people have kind of locked onto things that are really good um, and are kind of sticking with them because we're in store champs now. So, you know, you take the thing that's really good, don't you? Because you want to try and win an invite to Worlds. That's, you know, we've identified what those are now. You've got, you know, First Order, they've got their kind of combos of ships that win events. You've got Republic, they've got their combos of ships that win events. You've got Rebels, they've got their combos of ships that win events. Um, someday we might find out if Sis or 
resistance or imperials or anybody else have got a combo that can win events but it's it's quite samey like the meta has formed hasn't it so going back to your point of the large ships not really seeing a loadout reduction uh since the dawn of large base ships there is the general consensus that they're just not as good as a yeah. small base because you can hit them you can hit them hard and they do bleed points. Uh, so I think because of that stigma that's attached to them, they've gone, right, we'll drop their points so more people take them and we'll keep their load out. Um, I mean, I know Ray's good at seven points and we don't see her nearly as much as Han, but Han is also I6 with a boost reposition and it's a large base boost, which also runs heavily in his favour of being able to just get out of dodge. It's... Yeah. 13 health ship you will struggle to scratch um, yeah, which is you, another part of the hand problem yeah you catch him once don't you that's the thing you, you catch hand once and if you can't kill him um you know at least in chance engagement you feel like you know it's not pointless shooting at him but it's the same as like bobber um there's a uh, josh one of our locals plays bobber because he loves the ship even though he's you know he's probably too expensive now but when you're playing against him unless you start shooting bobber in turn one and do some lucky damage in turn one you just look at him in turn four or five and you think there's no point in me starting to shoot at you now because i cannot kill you um because even if i get close to killing you you just disappear and there's nothing that i can do about it um and hands exactly the same if it's not chance engagement and you haven't started on him by you know the second round of engagement like turn three there's no point in shooting at Han um, unless you get five arcs on him, five three dice guns on him, and then and then you're still probably making a tough decision about do I shoot him through all these rocks and at range three to try and half him and make him start to run away, um, or do I actually take the slightly better shots I've got onto the other ships that he's that have been offered? Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Steve. We're going off on a big ranty thing here. No, I like ranty things. Did that did that kind of answer your question? Which yeah, I've forgotten um, what the actual question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying how, how much has he actually won? And I was heading towards the gatekeeper um, where Liam got in ahead of me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you have to build for him, but I don't think you should expect to win with him. So, like, off the top of my head, I know that he has won two store championships in America without looking at stuff, because I remember talking about them. Um, and I've used that particular four-ship combo, and it is really good, mm. but it doesn't feel autopilot. It feels like you need to be good with it um, in order to yeah. win stuff. So ben, I think ben it's Saunders one of those... won, um, in Gloucester. But he'd been flying that list that Liam went through a little while ago. Um, yeah. Two, three months? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's one of those, like, I was having a chat with um, Cam Murray on Discord. So he's um, one of the Canadian um, X-Wing players. And he he kind of said, if you're a top-end player, you just pick one of the lists that's most likely to carry you to victory because mm. all of the other top-end players will be using a list that's likely to carry them to victory. Nobody's going to deliberately ham hamstring themselves to try and win an event with an interesting ship at a big event. They go and they try and maximize, optimize their opportunities to win. Um, if you're playing 
at events. I'm not going to say for fun. I'm, I, I'm not trying to make it sound derogatory. But if you're going with a hope that you might make cut, but not an expectation that you will, then this isn't a list that will carry you into cut. There are some lists that will carry you into cut. This isn't one of them. Um, you need to be competent with particularly the Vulcan or it will die. You'll ship seven points to your opponent and you'll lose games. Um, but it is a list that if you put it in the hands of a good player who is competent with a Vulcan, then they'll make cut and then they'll come up against other players who will have thought of a plan for it. And it's something that we regularly say in preparation time for big events is there's four or five lists that you need to have a plan for before you turn up on day one because you will come across them. Um, the deeper you get into the event, you will get into these into these lists. And that Han list is just one of them. You need to have a plan for Bistan Han. So, right. Second question, Steve. We've allowed you two. This is number two. Don't waste, <laughs> don't waste it on asking if you can ask another question. This is technically okay. his third question. I know, I know, but we're being we're being kind. We're being kind. You he's are. missed he's missed Zumba for us. Come on. <laughs> All right, boys and girls gather around. I'm gonna take you back to 1.0 and 2.0. Strategy. You used to build your list, you used to look at the big bads and come up with an answer within your list, and then you would turn up at your event and you would look at what's on the opposite side of the table, and then your on mat strategy was broken down between what do I do with my ships and where do I place my obstacles? Classic example is that you would see a Howl Runner Tice One. You know that generally speaking, they would go down the side of the board and then they would bank or hard turn in. So you would get the biggest rock you could and place it at free free to make it harder for them. Along comes 2.5, they bring in objectives. I know on all the objectives we have, the central objective, that does not move. When it first came out, there was a lot of talk that I was picking up on about, oh, there's this other level of strategy now about where we actually place the objectives. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at um, Salvage and Assault, which is the five, what I see in probably 99 games out of 100 is the X formation. You've got your center objective, which is fixed, and then you either get the opponent that puts one which is as close to horizontal as he can, and then you follow, and then there's one that's into his side of the mat and one that's on your side. But it's basically an X, and the legs of the X can be a little bit further out, a little bit longer. But it's it's always that X formation. And I asked the question the other week, are we missing something? At high level, do people look at it and say, based on what your opponent's list is, if you say, for example, you imagine that the, the mat is in four quarters, can I engineer it so that there are three objectives that are in or around that uh, quarter so that I force them over there and then I can kill them rather than just, we just do an X every time we play. So it, it, it's interesting because there, there can be variety, I think. And I'll, I'll go first because of course I will, because I'm, I'm gobby. Um, so <laughs> I, think, I think there can be variety in the way that objectives are placed, but I think that it's quite, um, 
it's quite subtle in the variety. So where how far out from the center you put it, because you can have it basically at range two, or you can have it right out on the very edge of range three, which is a two and a half, probably actually more than a two and a half, like maybe it's a three three ship base difference between how close you get to the center. Um, I think if we're talking about assault at the satellite array, where you're talking about being near them, I think you do often end up with people putting them closer to the center so that they maximize their opportunity to get um to tag one objective with two ships uh, sorry yeah. two two objectives with one ship um particularly if you've got big and medium bases you want to try and cluster them as close together as you can um conversely if your opponent like somebody like crispy who's flying four small bases will be trying to separate them out as much as possible or drop rocks in between them and stuff like that um to try and prevent that from happening um I think you're absolutely right. Like commonly, if you're sticking five objectives down on the board, you get the one in the middle, you get the two in the two two corners, or close to being in the two two corners, um, on like kind of opposite diagonals to each other, and then you get the ones that are kind of halfway up the board on each side, just within the, the legal range, because you don't want to give your your opponent uh, an objective advantage early by putting them on their side of the board. Um, I think it was this time last year, actually, that Nathan Idy did Marcel Manzano in Salvage Mission when it was... Was it Salvage Mission or was it Scramble? It was Salvage, where he he basically lost the game in turn zero because Mm. he'd not put his objectives down in a standard way, and Nathan had managed to get four on his side of the board, and then he leveraged his ships repositioning abilities because you could still reposition then um to basically fly away for you know four turns and it was you know 14 one or something after turn three and the game was over um it was like that showed the power of it but i think a lot of competitive players saw that and just went right how do i prevent that from happening and there's a very standard way that you put your objectives out that stops it from happening um that said, I still think there's value in looking at your turn zero and in looking at how you place your objectives. And I think it's particularly important in salvage mission because you need to have a crate safe somewhere where you can pick it up with, because every list has like one ship in that you're like, I'm fine with that picking up a crate on turn two. That That's what it's there for. Yeah, maybe it or whatever. Um, I think if you, if you took, and I'm not saying this, um, uh, to be uh, condescending or anything, but if you took uh, a bunch of average players, got them in a room and said, let's let's play three or four games, but just as a thought exercise, what we'll do is rather than put the objectives down first, place your asteroids first, and then put your objectives down. I think you'd have a lot of people going, ooh, I like that. How can I now replicate that in the proper game? Because so like think, new, thinking new, about new, where you're going to put your asteroids before you place your objectives. Yeah, rather than the other way around. I think you would yeah. come up with situations where people go, actually, that rock by that objective really upsets my opponent's game plan. Mm-hmm. How do I do that in a proper game? I think you would get creativity come out. It's an interesting one. And it's potentially actually a side event for this um, or like a an alternate rule for a... Like it's the kind of thing we could do on the day two of the Sith Taker Open is where we say, you know, at turn zero, you're going to do your obstacles first and your objectives second. Mm. Um, you put your one down in the middle that because that has to be in the middle. Um, but then you do all of your objectives and then you put the rest of your 
uh, your, your obstacle, sorry, then you do the rest of your objectives. But I think it's it's an interesting thought experiment um, if you're thinking yeah, I, about... Yeah. My, my, my gut feeling is that, like you said, at the higher levels, players have thought about this and it's very subtle. But at the medium to lower levels, oh, I just stick it there. That's where I always stick it. Yeah. So I'll jump in here. So I think the reason we see this X formation is because it offers no benefit. Mm -hmm. So by doing it and replicating the person who's gone first, you offer yourself no disadvantage because you have at some point on the board a symmetrical layout of the objectives. But if I start doing this and my opponent places somewhere out of left field, somewhere I don't expect to see it, that then puts the ball in my court. Yeah, I've had a a couple of games where, for example, I've put an objective back deep into my opponent's um, board so that he has to keep a ship back. And then I've heard them go, oh, I don't know why you did that. I'll do the same to you. Yep. So basically, as the first player, you're trying to engineer a scenario where your opponent has to place an objective in a certain area, but then he just does it to you. So yep. what we've come to now, unless you make a mistake, you will get the, the X because you can't get the advantage because your opponent just mirrors you. Which is why we're in the position that we're in. Uh, I know at, at first everyone was trying all these different things, but a lot of people were trying something different and just leaving themselves heavily disadvantaged. Uh, I think, as much as it pains me to disagree with you on this, even placing the rocks first, it would happen exactly the same because people do not want to be disadvantaged. And for the sake of a couple of inches, it won't sway the game. Yeah. I, so, I, yeah. I think you're probably right. And that was only a thought exercise. I just wondered if, if people, if we won't find anything uh, which is tactically better because we're not experimenting, we're not looking for it. I think all the experimentation has already happened. Right. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I'm first thing that I want to just chip in with now is Steve, I massively appreciate the fact that you're coming on and that we're having a discussion and we're not all just agreeing because we do that a lot on this podcast. We all just kind of agree with each other. Um, and this has been really, really useful to actually spark thoughts. Um, and even if it turns out that all the thinking has been done and it wouldn't change anything, actually just thinking about stuff is really, really helpful to actually, you know, say actually we need to stop making assumptions and we need to start actively thinking about the th- the things that we assume to be true. Um, and occasionally I get reminded of it when I play against newer players, when I say, well, yeah, you can do that. Of course you can. And they go, can you just show me? And I go, oh, right. Yeah. Cause you don't know. Um, like, you know, how many times have you said to somebody, no, no, you'll be fine. Or like they've done a one forward with something, but they've like too hard at something else. Cause it was like, oh, so why did you just one forward that as well? So I didn't want to bump into the back of myself again. And it's like, no, no, you, you don't know this, but if you've already bumped into the back of yourself, you can't bump into the back of yourself again. That, that, that doesn't work like that. And they go, oh, right. Okay. Um, but you know, th- you don't know that stuff and you don't know that you know that stuff naturally without explaining it to somebody or, or showing somebody it in the first place. So um, 
I also think that there is possibly something that there used to be a lot of thinking about what objectives to take and what the advantages and disadvantages of different objectives, not objectives, obstacles are. And now a lot of people are just defaulting to one type. And I think that's because you've now got the, well, they're all kind of just bad in different ways. Um, where previously, you know, you had advantage, um, the advantage of the ion clouds, you know, you could take them to, you know, increase your defense. You could, you know, try and engineer the engagement so you could fly around them. Um, I think taking away the positivity of some of the obstacles. Um, so the fact you could still shoot if you were sitting on a debris cloud back in the day, but you couldn't if you were on an asteroid, that kind of stuff added some variety to what obstacles people took. Now I see so many people just taking the three big rocks. I don't know if it's always the right choice to take the three big rocks, but I think, you know, it's just the easy decision. But I, I think there's less of a choice about whether you take different obstacles. I do occasionally see people taking that. That said, I see occasionally see people taking gas clouds because they're like, well, in extremis, I can yeet myself over them and get rid of some locks that people have taken on me. Um, but I think it's worth thinking about it um, because very much in version one, where you put your obstacles was the most important thing in turn zero. Yeah. And I think now you can control where people can put their obstacles by putting an objective there. So um, give away some of the trade secrets. There's a point that's about range two in from the side of the board and about range three up from your opponent's edge of the board, where if you put a big rock there, your opponent can't do a two forward and then a three bank or they'll land on it. So you force them to either go faster or slower or to turn in to get around that rock. It used to be there to block tie swarms from mooching up the board and then swinging in nicely. You put a rocks in a couple of awkward places to make them fly past. Um, if I put an objective there, you can't put a rock there. So there is still some thinking to be done about where you want rocks to be or not to be, because you can use objectives to block where rocks go because you can't put a rock somewhere if there's an objective yeah you can <clears> stick <throat> it right next to it you can wrap it around it you can use those interestingly shaped obstacles that exist to you know cuddle the corner of an objective but it can't be right there it's got to be somewhere slightly different see so, I, I would hazard a guess that 90 percent of players will go well i've never thought of putting an objective somewhere to stop the guy putting a rock there I hadn't but, until right now, Steve, when you finished <laughs> it, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I think why this conversation is valuable is because even if it turns out that this adds no value whatsoever and it's just a whole load of nonsense, talking about it at least makes you think about it and it makes yeah. you go and check it out. So, yeah. Sorry, Liam, you were so, about to say something there, man. Yeah, so if I'm placing an obstacle somewhere, sorry, an objective, I could just then deploy on the other side. It leaves because you're placing an objective in a weird place. It then leaves you on the back foot because your opponent will mimic you and then not be at a deficit. So, and I think in that instance, so if you're putting an, an if you're putting an objective somewhere that you don't want there to be an obstacle, and then they mimic you on the other side of the board then that's fine because you're I, not setting up, you're not dropping that thing there to gain, gain an advantage. 
you're putting that thing there to <clears throat> prevent them from having an advantage when you put a rock down. The thing I guess, I guess it comes down to who, which order you're placing him, because I, I completely agree with what Liam's saying. But if it was flipped around the other way, so your opponents put it in, well, I'm going to call a normal place, and you go, aha, now I can put my objective down to stop him placing the rock. You don't lose anything. You've actually gained a slight advantage. So the, the point I made is mainly because you don't place two obstacles on your opponent's side. You only place yeah. one. So all you do is go, right, I'm going to place it there so you can't put a rock here. And then that just means you're, you just deploy on the other side where it can't physically happen because you can't control where that other objective goes. Mm. It only works against jump masters. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, I did think about jump masters actually when we talked about they just switch sides. It's like, that's fine because they can only turn left. Um, but the, <laughs> the, yeah, it's, I think it's an interesting um, point. And I think there's so many nuances to it. Like, if you're talking about like macro placement of obstacles, like, if you're thinking about in oh, Assault at the Satellite Array, if you get a triangle of three objectives that are all exactly ranged two apart from each other, and then your opponent has a big base ship and you don't put a rock in the center of that triangle of objectives, then you're basically saying, I, I quite like you having three points for a couple of turns here. Um, I, you know, I'm okay with that. But you stick a rock in it and you say, if you want to sacrifice two health maybe more by dumping yourself on that rock so that you can get those objective points then you know i i need to be there so that i can murder you for doing that um but that kind of thing you can influence how close those obstacles sorry those objectives are to each other by trying to place them so that they can't get a small triangle by placing your ones further out. So there is some nuance to where, I think, as we said at the start, there's some nuance to how widely spread the X is, depending on what the lists are um, and what you're facing, and also possibly what obstacles the opponent's brought. Because if they've brought three little pebbles, then you know, you're know you kind of saying, well, I need to try and leverage the big rock that I've got that I'm guaranteed to be able to put down, irrespective of road. I get to put down one big one. Do I want that to be in the middle? Have I got trick shot? Do I want to do a big diagonal across the board? Do I want to do an umbrella of three around the top of the center objective so that I can, you know, loop a ship around the top of it? You know, do I want them scattered? Do I want them my side, their side? All that turn zero obstacle placement stuff. Which I think um, you said this, or Liam said it earlier, it's quite subtle. Yeah. And it's it sparked a memory from me that before we were going to Worlds this year, Ben Saunders kindly came over and we just had a, a day of practice. Mm -hmm. Now, I've played Ben for seven or eight years, but it'd be one night I'll play him once and I'll play somebody else or I'll meet him at a competition. I've never played him four games on the trot. Mm -hmm. And it was game two or three where I went, you, you always leave a gap when you're placing your rocks. And he looked at me and said, well, yeah, because I've got lower initiative, I'm basically giving you a corridor to fly into because then I know where you're going to go. And I said, I've never noticed that. I've never known that that's what you do. But I've played you for years. And I think with objectives at higher level, it could be something that even the higher level players don't realize they're doing. It's mm. Like you said, it's, it could be so subtle until you pointed it out to them I went, well, Rich, you always do that with your rock. You always place it slightly in. Uh, sorry, your objective's in. 
it's on the X, but in rather than all the way out to the maximum that you can do. Well, I, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it did that, Steve, but perhaps you're getting some slight benefit from it that you know your subconscious is picking up on, but you're not consciously doing it. Yeah. I yeah. just find it interesting. Yeah, I know it, it's it this has been a really fascinating conversation for me because it's one of one of the things that recently personally I've stopped thinking critically about how I play X-wing and I've been very much kind of I don't really care I'm just shoving ships across the board and enjoying myself and I think that's because I don't have anything on the near horizon competitively in this in this point cycle. Um uh, so I'm like just kind of having a laugh at the minute and kind of Playing other games as well as you know, fifty fifty and X Wing and Blood Bowl, as I've mentioned a couple of times, um, at the moment, just you know, for a bit of a a bit of a break from from stuff. But um, it's well, we, we, were, we were talking to... about we were talking about Han being the big bad, and yeah. certainly down in the southwest, Han tends to be trick shot. Yeah, and I've noticed a lot of players complaining about trick shot Han, but they pull out the big rocks. Yeah. <laughs> so, but why, why have you got the big rocks? Well, I've had those in my bag for the last four years. Yeah. But I changed to small rocks because of trick shot. Yeah, and now people don't fly trick shot a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's interesting because that's how it flexes. I mean, the, the other big bad, and we'll, we'll probably, you know, need to do a, a whole nother episode because I'm conscious of time that we're on at the moment. Um, we probably need to do another episode about, you know, the three arcs plus Anakin plus Padme and, you know, what it is that because that's going to be another big bad leaving aside the difficulty of getting three arcs plus dials um at the moment although you can buy them in packs on the shelf now so it's not that hard but um yeah it's 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 one of those kind of there's big bads you need to figure out what to do with them and i think there's stuff with turn zero that helps with each of them so like after paul did his turn on gold squadron talking about how he flew against han there were a bunch of people who flew han counter planning what they would do against somebody who did what paul does against <laughs> han if they were using han and it's like so it's going to get interesting when the, the like the really big top end competitions like i mean i would have previously said you know like kind of the big american ones like gen con and pax and stuff like that but it looks like they're not going to be so big so i think the next huge event we're going to have is going to be worlds um it's going to be genuinely interesting what happens i mean if there isn't another point change between now and worlds it's going to be one of those amazing solved meta worlds where loads of people you know there's like a sum total of about eight different lists because all the corners have been knocked off everything and you know you just you pick pick one and take it and we'll have a true test of who's the best um slash who's got the best dice um but yeah Thank you very much for that, Steve. I find that really useful. And feel free to ask us more awkward questions via Facebook. Um, not just Steve, <laughs> but any, like g- genuinely anybody. If there's something that you'd like us to talk about um, that you think it will be an interesting topic of conversation, just reach out to us. And if you're free on a Monday night, there's an odds-on chance that we'll be like, yeah, that sounds like an interesting topic. You can come on, we'll have a, we'll have a chat about it. So um, I've massively appreciated this, Steve. Thank you very much. Um, no, thanks, thanks for uh, indulging my question. This conversation has made me consider the fact that we may need an episode which of just things we take for granted. Yeah, in the game of X Wing, with our pre-existing knowledge, for example, it, it, it was interesting on last week's cast when you had Matt on, who was an <clears throat> yeah, experienced yeah. player, saying it was only when you guys said that if I turn, I turn within my arc. I think there's a lot yeah. of knowledge that people don't know. 
Yeah, but you only pick that stuff up by playing, don't you? But then you really, really quickly move from, oh, that's an interesting thing to, I just know that. And you assume that everybody else just knows that too. Yeah, um, yeah it's it, it's an actual, um, I can't remember what the name of it is, but one of the things, it's the curse of knowledge, is you assume that everybody knows everything about something that you know about it when you're talking to them about it. Mm. And that's why when geeks like us talk to non-geeks about something that we're passionate about, um, we lose them really quickly because you're kind of going, you know, and then I did a three bank and then I used optics. So I got three hits and he blanked out and I, and I got eight points and I won. And, you know, my wife goes, that's nice, dear. Did you have a nice time? And I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, just, it's not happening. And, you know, she, she just doesn't understand what that means, but, you know, I can say that to somebody who plays X-Wing and they go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds cool. Well, whatever. More likely to say you're moaning about your dice. Cause usually it's that, but um, yeah. So um, I just want to very, very quickly before we wrap up, um, Tim's reminded me to shout out the European. So it's the ETC, the European Team Championship. So this is the in-person thing that used to be the XTC, which now happens online. So this is the in-person team event. It's not nation locked, basically, because it's in-person. But that said, everybody who's traveling to it is is flying as as part of a nation realistically. Um, it's in uh, Mechelen or Mechelen in Belgium. Um, there's 12 teams going over. So there's going to be 60 people playing Team X-Wing, three English, three French, two Dutch, Scottish, German, Spanish and Swiss. Uh, so it's pretty good. I know that the, the English teams are um, Team the South, Team Yorkshire and... Um, I think the other one is team people who weren't able to comfortably fit into either the South or Yorkshire. Um, so, yeah, there's like was it 15, 15 English players going, 15 French players. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Um, so it's part of a big um, wargaming convention. So there's a whole bunch of other stuff, and they're basically trying to to pull X-wing back into it as well to get big in-person team X-wing events going. So good luck to all the teams. Um, good luck. Uh, particularly to the Sith takers that are going. I'm not sure who they all are. Mike Upton. Tim, Tim, you might have to help me on this one. I know Mike Upton's going. Is Dave Wynn going? Oh, okay, Ted. So I, I've thought Dave might be going because he sometimes plays for Scotland in things. Um, Adam Freeman as well. Oh, you're going. Oh, fine. Tim, Tim's going. Oh, okay. Um, Liam, <laughs> Liam, you're the TO, aren't you? Oh, yeah, Toby, yeah. God help and us. Toby Harris. <laughs> no, Toby will save it. Oh, it's okay. Toby's Toby there. will 100% save it. But I've noticed that me and Toby are quite similar in our disdain for people and <laughs> uh, inconvenience. So don't inconvenience us. Right, Liam, Liam, you've got my WhatsApp. I'll be around on Saturday. So... But you know, I'll be wrangling kids. But if you've got any any serious questions, you, you can always give me a shout. So most important question is being streamed. I don't know. I don't know uh, anything that's going on. I did. So I'll get a, crispy over so we can have a crotch uh, stream. Crotch stream. Crotch stream all the way from Florida. Give me a GoPro, and uh, I'll do that for you. I can't tell you what you'll be seeing on the evening, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> do, do you remember the phrase, Liam? Just because you can drink doesn't mean you have to drink. But because I can drink, I want to drink. And when I want to drink, I have to drink. All right, fair enough. 
Um, yeah, I just checked the uh, the thing. I think they said that there isn't going to be a stream, sadly, this time around. Uh, but they so are trying to sort it out for future. Um, not for X-Wing. You can watch other streams, probably 40k, but um, yeah. You almost pl- if I can uh, like, stream bomb them all. How many streams can Liam appear on? <laughs> just stick your face underneath a 40k thing and accidentally knock over somebody's golden demon entrant that they've stuck on the table. I think those words make sense. I'm not sure. What? Why is this Titan's arm come off? <laughs> Liam, can you just do your normal thing and do updates of the uh, the top table, do free turns in and then wander off because you've forgotten that you're telling us what's going on? Uh, no, let's be honest, I'm not that accurate. I do it with full <laughs> rounds, Steve. <laughs> I'll be there for one rounds one and two. I will completely forget three's a thing because I've gone to go get a drink and then I'll go, oh, I forgot to take photos, but here's round four. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, good luck, Liam uh, and Tim and Mike and uh, everybody else that we know who's going. So like I know Adam. Bond and Adam and uh, who else is going from, uh, I mean, basically the whole of Sheffield that plays X-Wings going, oh, Tom, Tom Reed's going. Tom, Tom Reed, Tom Veal, Tom Candlin, yeah, Greg Squire, Marcus Wilson, Dom Pond, Andy Cameron. You shouldn't have started listing all the England players because you're going to miss one and they're going to be annoyed with you. And I won't so, care. Uh, Kester, there you go, Dan Athey. Yeah, um, is it on the TO? So what happens if they disagree with me? They don't have a full team. Mad. <laughs> yeah, who gave you authority? I don't know. Seems a bit unwise. Right, um, people. On 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 that note, on that desperate note, um, we're just going to wrap up. Um, Steve, do you want to do any shout outs while you're on? Yep. Uh, my captain, Mister Wells, X-wing Dylan Jones, has been sending me messages saying you're on Sift Takers. Um, <laughs> he's asked me to shout out. Uh, there are two store comps coming up. So on the 9th of September in Cardiff, um, this is all Firestorm. So it's on their Firestorm Battlefields website. Uh, They're doing their store comp. And the 21st of October, um, Newport, which is again Firestorm, are doing their store comp. So come and play. Pew, pew. Okay. And they're in Cardiff. Uh, The first one on the 9th is in Cardiff. The 21st of October is in Newport. Okay. That's further away than Cardiff. No, Newport's you... closer. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Not not with your driving, but for anybody on. else in the UK, Newport tends to be closer than Cardiff. I'm always just confused about what order the South Wales cities and towns are you, in. You get lost once you get past Birmingham. I get lost way before that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine if I've got a map. As long as I've got a map, I'm all right. But without a map, I'm I'm the guy who goes, what way did I turn into the street? Literally, I'll drive to the end of a road and be like, left or right? And my wife just looks at me. And she was like, you just drove in here to turn around and go back the other way. I'm like, yeah, well, what way did I drive in? <laughs> just, just turn right. All right, right okay. And can map, I, can I shout out um, Board in Brum so Liam's got nothing to do? Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, Board in Brum. Uh, Liam, have you any shout outs? I'm going to shout out Steve for saving me the effort of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. And I'm going to I'm going to shout out Ryanair for probably dropping me somewhere at Liechtenstein after walk the rest of the way to Belgium. It's not far. <laughs> You've got long legs; it'll only take you five minutes. 
I know, but it's five minutes more than I want to walk, Rich. Like, I mean, genuinely, Liechtenstein is like like one square kilometre or something. So, you know. It's, Isn't it it's next to Switzerland? Yeah, it kind of sits in between, like, Switzerland, Austria. Welcome to Geography with the Sith Takers, where we don't know where everything is. I have a vague idea. How can you know so much about Switzerland and Austria, but not Wales and England? And the I location of Newport? <laughs> oh, Newport's in Wales. All I know is that it's to the west. I know where, I know where Wales is. Like, I know where Liechtenstein is. I just don't know where things are in Wales, other than Barry Island, because I watched Gavin and Stacey. So... <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Basel of like exists in Switzerland, but I, I couldn't tell you if it's north, south, east, or west, or central. It's definitely one of those five things, though, Liam. So exactly, you've covered, you've covered it off, right? I'm, I'm going to stop this nonsense now because I can feel myself falling asleep just listening to us talking. So um, I hope nobody's driving while listening to the podcast today. Um, we've got. Um, I, I actually have to shout out Cogger too because. Um, something that will become apparent after the Sith Taker open last year. I sent them a, a quizzical question. I said, would you be able to print something on something like this? And they went away and bought some of the aforementioned things and did some test prints. And then we're like, yes, we can. I was like, yes. Is that the always a bridesmaid Liam Baker? Oh, hey, hey. Have I said it now? Now he knows. No. I, oh, I, just want, I, I just want them... I, I want I want them to uh, I want them to ta- uh, to to just print top four on the back of Liam's hand so that he remembers his place. Um, but yeah, yeah no. Um, so we're we're quite excited by the Sith Taker Open. Um, I'm still getting messages from people to say, please can I come? I don't have a ticket. So again, if you're listening to this and you've realised that you probably won't be able to attend or you've got extra tickets, then um, do please um, return them so that people on the waiting list can can get tickets in good time. Um, we're still trying to investigate options for whether we can squeeze more more people in, um, but it's not looking. Like we can go much higher than where we are at the moment. Um, well, if you stop Liam coming, you can squeeze another four people in. Yeah, just height-wise, though. Um, yeah, we'd have to start stacking tables at that point and asking people to kind of, kind of sit on each other's shoulders and that sort of thing. So I'm not sure that's uh, feasible. Um, yeah, Steve, I mean, stop body shaming me. <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> quiet, quiet night, Liam. <laughs> Theoretically, we could fit more tables in, but there'd be no space to put templates or, you know, things and stuff and, you know, move. So we don't want to do that. We want it still to be actually a relatively comfortable environment to play in. But we are going to have a chat with the venue to see if we can stick a few more in so that we can at least um, serve out the waiting list. Um, But we have to see. Um, So that's me. Uh, Steve's done his. Cool, cool. Right. Sorry for the slightly longer one uh, to all our valued listeners, um, but you know that's what he said. I hope you appreciate the the chat in the middle, which had I known it was going to be that valuable, I'd have started it earlier and spent less time talking about lists and American store championships. So um, lessons learned and all that. Um, but yeah, thanks again for listening, and uh, it's goodbye from Liam. Toodles. Uh, goodbye from Steve. Toodles. Uh, goodbye from Tim. Uh, goodbye from me. Ta-da. Your big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place.
singing. We will.